Podcast, where we review horror movies directed exclusively by women-identified directors that prove that the female of the species is more deadly than the male. More Deadly is a trans-inclusive podcast where we celebrate the work of cis and trans women, as well as non-binary filmmakers who are comfortable being included in a space that centers the work of women. And in order to do this great work, this important work, this exciting work, I have the world's best co-host. Joining me is Ariel. Oh, thank you. Hi, Rach. Hi. <laughs> Happy belated birthday. Yes, to you too. You just had one also. Yes, the glorious days of our birth have just recently <laughs> come to pass. <laughs> and we're definitely not in an existential spiral of over not. it. <laughs> that doesn't sound like us. <laughs> Nay. <laughs> oh, how are you? How are you doing? You know, I'm getting by. I'm doing okay. Yeah, any weird spooky doings on the premises there? <laughs> no, actually, things have been quiet. I feel like the summer is winding down. Everybody's put their clothes back on. I have had only delightful interactions with my neighbors lately. Did you join them in any nude sunbathing? <laughs> I did not, no. I mean, because that That's could be delightful. I didn't I mean, know if I that was that code for... We no, got... okay. I've had a few really good interactions. One, I think I told you about this, but my upstairs neighbor, like these new people moved in and they have cats that they walk every night, <laughs> which is very, very fun. They won't become friends with my dog and she's sad about that, but I am happy to watch them. And there's a family now <laughs> that is doing some sort of like rollerblading dance TikTok thing what? in our parking lot almost every night. They oh only God. speak French, so I can't. I haven't been able to figure out what their TikTok is. Soccer so I bleu. <laughs> I think it's at Soccer Bleu. That's my, <laughs> that would be my guess. <laughs> Perfect. Nailed it. <laughs> and uh, I have some neighbors that are a few blocks away that I I pass on my daily walk, and they have been revamping their whole front yard area because their whole extended family just moved into houses right nearby and they wanted to have a place where they could have huge barbecues every weekend and sounds my... like a big love situation you know what i'm thinking <laughs> no rachel <laughs> <laughs> but their kids love my dog so every time i pass they like want to pet my dog because they're always outside and a few days ago I guess last weekend, they had a, a whole live mariachi band out there while they were barbecuing, and it smelled so good, and they were making elote, which is like my favorite thing, Ooh. and so I have a plan now to continue to allow these children to befriend my dog to the point where these people like me and invite me to join them in their barbecues. <laughs> 
I love the elote long con that's happening in your neighborhood. Elote is the best. Why is it so good? Is it the mayonnaise? It's the mayonnaise. The cheese and the cheese and the tahini. Yeah, it's kind of, it's all of it. It's just so good. Damn, I'm hungry. I want some now. (laughs) And some street tacos. That sounds amazing. That's well, that's awesome. Well, it is the beginning of spooky season, and I guess corn is kind of like a fall thing, which makes it sort of a spooky adjacent, right? Right? Sure. These are these sure. are really good segues that we're doing here. <laughs> <laughs> and we have some exciting stuff planned for spooky season. Do we want to talk about it yet? Should we wait till actual spooky season? What do you think? Um, no, I mean, I think we should talk about some of it now. So, okay. for instance, on our social media, we are going to be doing a sort of mini movie marathon where every weekday for the whole month of October, each day we're going to be releasing a video review of a horror short. That's going to be really fun. And if you're not already following us on Twitter and Instagram, you really should be. We're ZG Podcasts. <laughs> Because then you'll get to see it. <laughs> yes, you'll get to literally see it. We're going to be posting videos. And because they're videos, we can't cut them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you get to see all of our technical difficulties in action, all the times we've stumbled over our words. Or yeah, you're going to be each like, other is and can't this cut it out. <laughs> the blooper reel? No. Nope. Nope. nope, it's the real thing. We're just going That's with it, guys. <laughs> just how we sound unedited. Nope. <laughs> a hot mess. Enjoy. <laughs> no, I think it'll be funny. We had a, we've been having a lot of fun. We've done a little bit of prep for that. We also have our big Halloween live special for yes. the patrons. So the short film festival is for everybody. It's going to be on social media. You'll be able to follow along. We hope that you'll watch along and put your comment, you know, your thoughts on the shorts in the in the comments. But for the patrons, we have our live show. There will be shenanigans of the spooky variety. There will be costs. <laughs> <laughs> yep, there will be. <laughs> There's been a lot of talk about that, so you're gonna want to tune in to see what we're dressed up as. There may be some guests and surprises. I don't know. We'll see. We'll yeah. see. We'll see. Our, our live shows get a little wacky and a little wild. And we yes. love it when our patrons participate by like commenting on Discord. We read them live as we're going. It's just a really good time. So. Yeah. Yes. So if you are a patron, you should A, get ready because that is happening on uh, October 15th. So we are a little ahead of actual Halloween, but that's okay. That's okay. That's you know, like, let's get into the spooky season a little early. That's fine. That's fine. So, yeah. <laughs> Saturday, October 15th is our live show. And if you are a patron, you got to hop on there. Make sure that you're all set up to watch us. It will be on there later, but you want to watch it live. Because the other thing you want to do is you should have gotten an invite to the Discord. And you want to be in the Discord, even if it's just for the day. Because that's where we're going to be doing most of our, our interacting. You can interact with us as well on Patreon, but Discord is where it's actually happening. So, now you know. That's the plan. We'll say it a bunch of times between now and then. But October 15th, put it on your calendar. And we are going to do our Halloween special. All right. That's enough housekeeping. What do you think? Is the house all kept? I feel like it's pretty kept. Yeah. Yeah. You did a good job. Cool. Yeah, I'm good at this. <laughs> I'm an award-nominated podcaster. I know. Like, do you think so I excited. can't housekeep? Come on! <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I had to do. Okay, so we 
my lovely, lovely co-host nominated me for an award for like a funniest moment thing, which I, I, the imposter syndrome is at a 10, but I'm, but that's why we didn't tell you what we were doing. (laughs) (laughs) But here's the thing, honestly, that you guys even considered me is a win. I don't think I have a hilarious. I don't think I have a shot in hell. And that doesn't matter. I got included on a list of hilarious, talented women and the women I respect most in the world thought I was worthy. So like that is a prize in and of itself. But you had to do an acceptance <laughs> speech. So before the show, it was at the deadline because, of course, you know me, I'm procrastinator extraordinaire. I had to do one and it was quite awkward. <laughs> and then it's like not really good <laughs> you think okay the parameters are it had to be less than three minutes oh it is less than three minutes <laughs> and then i like as i was sitting i saw i was like be creative use your imagination i was like shit oh, no. <laughs> so but good news it'll probably never see the light of day oh, <laughs> but you saw it i'll share it with you girls because i tell you know i want you guys to hear the synopsis that I it was said. very funny and very sweet so yeah. And for those listeners who have been listening to More Deadly for quite a while, the clip that we actually submitted is one from this show. So if you remember Rachel's Disneyland story, oh god, that's the one we submitted. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing is, if my deep and utter humiliation leads to not only a good story, but an award... It was yeah, all worth it. Perfect. I mean, you'll never be able to keep my butt cheeks in dresses again. They're just going to be flying all over. Flying the place. to the wind. Ah, <laughs> oh, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. It's been, I'm sorry. I'm just going to, I know I say this every time, but it has been a crazy week. And so I'm a little wild mentally right now. <laughs> it's spooky season. At, and so every oper- work opportunity that comes up also falls in the lane of horror fans. So I'm yeah, just and like, you can't say no to anything. I can't then. say no because <laughs> like the two parts of me, my work self and my like me self are in this weird month long Venn diagram. And so I'm going to be a little crazy. In the next couple weeks. <laughs> so bear with me, folks, is what I'm saying. Bear with me. All right. Enough of my rambling of which there has been far too much. Let's get into this episode. Ariel, what the heck are we talking about today? Today, we are going to be covering the original Goodnight Mommy, directed by Veronica Franz and Severin Fiala. Now, this one is, uh, I've seen this one before, but this was a first watch for you. So it I'm sure was. very curious <laughs> to see how this went down, because I remember our experience with The Lodge. Yes. <laughs> and I was like, this is, this is troubling. These movies are troubling. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so Ariel, I know it's technically my turn, but you are a, an actual angel. So Aww. you, seriously, you are an actual <laughs> angel. Like I was saying it kind of as a bit, but then like I was like, no, but it's true though. Aww. So you were kind enough to take on the mantle of research. So would you tell me a little bit about the, oh, right. Before we do that, there's a step that we do before that because I just looked down and saw it on the list. Yep. What is our spoiler policy on this podcast? (laughs) All right. So eventually we're going to spoil this whole movie. But first, I'm going to tell you a little bit about the director and the making of the movie. And then Rachel and I are going to share our non-spoiler thoughts, let you know whether you should check this one out. Then Rachel will let you know that all the spoilers are open. And this one actually does have a pretty big twist in it. So if you don't want to know, 
I would suggest watching it first. And you can watch it for free on Tubi right now. That's true. That's yeah. what I did. I Me watched too. it today on the Tubi. <laughs> God, Tubi it really it has the best selection of horror. I know. I gotta say. All right. Awesome. Ariel, why don't you tell me a little bit about the directors and the making of this film? All right. So like I said, Goodnight Mommy was directed by Veronica Franz and Severin Fiala. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about him, but mostly I am going to be focusing on her. So Veronica is actually from Vienna, Austria, and before she started her directing career, she worked as a film journalist for many years. She never went to film school, but she did co-write a handful of films with her husband, who's a director, including all three of his films in what's called his Paradise Trilogy, which won a bunch of awards and was super successful. Yeah, so next, she moved on to making films with her filmmaking partner, Severin Fialo, who is actually her nephew. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Longtime listeners of the show might recognize that because we did, like Rachel said, review The Lodge many years ago. Mm-hmm. Actually, not many years ago. I don't know why I said that. We've only been doing this podcast many for like two and a half years. <laughs> 84 years ago. <laughs> Just because I look like I aged 84 years ago, I mean, that actually has been 84 years. <laughs> you and I have been podcasting for many years, but not yeah. this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> So when Severin was growing up, Veronica and her husband used to hire him to babysit their kids. And instead of paying him in cash, they would pay him in video rentals. Awesome. Awesome. (laughs) He he was growing up in a super small town and I guess they only had one video store and not a big selection. So he had already rented and watched every movie in that store. But Veronica and her husband lived in Vienna, which is a big city. And so, of course, they had access to more rental stores and more diverse films. And so she would rent him about a dozen movies, and then he would stay the weekend babysitting their kid and watching movies. But as it sort of time went on, she started staying up late with him at night to watch the movies. And they kind of discovered that they had this shared love of horror and art house film, which obviously makes a lot of sense when you consider the kind of movies they make. Yes. I mean, that is their lane is art house horror (laughs) and really messed up family dynamics. Yes. interesting that they're family and that's what yes focus on. as i was watching it again tonight i was just like they're related they're related, they're related. <laughs> <laughs> so after this severin went off to film school himself and then once he graduated the two of them started making films together so the first film that they ever made together was a documentary about actor director peter kern called kern And they actually followed him around for two years making this documentary. And apparently Veronica was interested in making it in the first place because Peter Kern is such an oddball. Oh, okay. I mean, (laughs) again, that tracks. Okay. Right. (laughs) So their breakout hit, which they wrote and directed together, was, of course, Goodnight Mommy, which we're talking about today. After that, the duo wrote and directed a segment in the horror anthology A Field Guide to Evil. Their segment is the first one, and it's called die trud i'm not sure if that's actually how you pronounce that every segment in this comes from a different country and is based on local folklore and you can watch it on hulu right now cool i think you saw that at the time i did it's really interesting okay i would recommend watching it yeah so fun fact (laughs) the pair uh love to cook together and try new foods And they like to cook foods that most people aren't that interested in eating, like lungs and hearts and intestines. So they made a field guide to evil, their segment of that, on a shoestring budget. And so to thank the crew, they actually invited them over to cook for them. And this is a quote from TalkHouse.com. 
from Veronica. We wanted to make them something special, so we served a cow's udder. To be honest, udder, <laughs> udder, yes. <laughs> to be honest, it was not one of the best meals we've had. You can <laughs> hardly eat udder. <laughs> it's tough, and even though we cooked it for five or six hours, it was still quite chewy and had a Ew. rather specific taste that most people didn't appreciate. <laughs> Oh my god. Hakazusa so vibes. Right? No. <laughs> I didn't no. know anybody ate an udder. Was not I don't aware I don't that. think that they do. I think the reason you're not aware is it is not done. Also, side note, I just put a picture of Peter Kern in the chat because I was curious who it was. Oh, he, okay. looked, he looks like Justin. Oh my god. Doesn't he? Oh my god, that's wild. <laughs> he looks like he could be related to Justin. He totally does. Like they could be brothers or cousins or yes. something. Yes. Sorry. I know that's sidetracking, but I was like <laughs> when I saw the picture, I was like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> so after the success of Goodnight Mommy, they started getting tons of scripts sent to them, but sadly a lot of them were just crappy movies about evil twins because apparently mm. everybody thought all they wanted to do was make movies about evil twins, that that was their shtick now. So I don't know. <laughs> That feels pretty niche. Right? (laughs) How many scripts can, how many evil twin movies can one pair of filmmakers make? You wouldn't think very many. No. No. So finally they got sent the script that would become The Lodge, which came out in the US in 2020. And like I said, we covered that. If you want to go back and listen to that one, if you missed it, it was episode six. And you can go and hear our thoughts on that one. Many, many years ago. (laughs) back when we used coconuts to record our podcast oh my god oh jeez all right so since then veronica has co-written two additional films with her husband as for what the pair is up to next Unfortunately, it's a little bit unclear. So in different interviews they did for both Goodnight Mommy and The Lodge, they have mentioned three different film ideas that they have said they were working on. One is an art house period piece horror movie. The cool. other is a film for Universal about refugees on a container ship. Grim. And then one is about a projectionist who was also the last executioner in Vienna. So they've talked about all three of these, but so far there's no word on any of them actually being in production. So I can't tell you when any of them will come out. Okay. I'm going to take what's behind door number one. Thank you. That's the one. <laughs> the period piece horror. Yeah. Yeah. I, considering what they do in horror, a story about people in a storage container who are refugees is too dark. It's too dark. <laughs> I can't do it. I can't do it. I mean, I'm sure it would be excellent and beautifully acted and atmospheric as hell. Right. But my heart couldn't handle it. Yeah. I totally understand what you're saying. <laughs> All right. So, as for the making of Goodnight Mommy. It premiered at the Venice International Film Festival in 2014 and then premiered in the U.S. the following year. It was shot on 35mm film. That was super important to them because they wanted it to look a specific way. And they love like sort of the beauty and the immediacy of 35mm. They talked a lot in interviews about how when you're filming in digital, which is what everybody was trying to convince them to do, you can film and film and film and then just use small parts of it. But with 35 millimeter, it's so expensive to do that it really forces you to focus. Mm, that's interesting. I mean, yeah, that makes perfect sense. And uh, I, 
<laughs> the whole art house thing, their their love of art house. This is all this is all tracking Coming together. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> all right. So, and it was produced by Veronica's husband and her former film collaborator Ulrich Seidel. Cool. So, the original idea for the script came from a German docu soap series that they had watched, and I couldn't find the name of this series, unfortunately. But in it, I guess women would be separated from their husbands and families or whatever for months. Well, they underwent plastic surgery and cosmetic dentistry. Whoa. And then they would be reunited with their loved ones. But Veronica noticed that the kids always looked upset when they would see their moms for the first time. Apparently, there was even one episode where the kid even said, quote, it's not mom, it's not mom, when he saw her for the first time. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I do remember that reality show, The I do. Oh god, that show was so gross. So grim that the person who got the best plastic surgery was the winner. Yes. Oh my god, it's so, so awful. The, man, the early what was that like? The early two thousands, mid two thousands was a wild time. Wild <laughs> time in reality TV. Like yeah. you could never do the stuff that they did then. No. Like I still, my favorite is Forever Mr. Personality. Do you remember that one? I don't. No, what was that one about? That one was hosted by Monica Lewinsky. And it was <laughs> a Bachelor like clone, except for here's okay. the twist. All of the dudes had to wear masks. They all had these matching rubber masks that were only differentiated <laughs> by the color. So there was like a purple one and a green one and a yellow oh my one. God, how do I not remember that? That's crazy. I And so she would go on these dates with people. And then when she had rejected one, they would have to take off the mask and reveal themselves. <laughs> it was because that's why it was Mr. Personality, right? It was the wildest thing I've ever seen. There was one guy who was like, you know, there's always a villain. And usually they're just run-of-the-mill dickheads, right? Yeah. This guy was a legit villain who was oh, trying no. to use sub like subliminal messages to make her pick him. He was Mr. What? Green, and so he'd like constantly work the word green into what he was saying. And like the other That's guys so creepy. found books in his stuff that were like hypnosis and mental oh manipulation God. and stuff. It was the wildest the show. Yes, yes, yes. Jeez. And, I mean, and that was the same era as the swan, you know, where you right. just could get away with anything there's like the littlest bachelor problematic yeah. very yes. deeply problematic i mean who wants to marry a millionaire but then the guy turned out not to be a millionaire and it was a big scandal yeah no that was joe millionaire what oh, <laughs> all got ruined by megan wants to marry a millionaire do you remember this maybe that's the one i'm thinking was that so, go ahead okay so that was the one it was a spinoff of love rock of love I hate that I know this, but I don't care. <laughs> I'm very tired, so my true colors are showing. One of the finalists, this girl, Megan, who got her own spinoff that Megan wants a millionaire. And so it was like only men who had a million dollars. And like two episodes aired. And it was some of the most incredibly cringe in the best way programming of all of those stupid dating shows. <laughs> and then uh -huh. it was abruptly taken down because one of the two finalists murdered his wife oh my god her ex-wife they found her like in a trunk holy shit and they couldn't salvage wow. the show because he was one of the final two. Oh my god and it took down that and it he had also in the yep i guess he hadn't gotten chosen so he had gone on to do there was a spinoff called i love money where like all of these rejected contestants would like compete 
oh, for money. I do remember that. And he was one of the cast oh. members. So it killed that show too. And there's never been one of those, That's you know. So crazy. Yeah. That that killed the VH1 sort of I love franchise. Right. <laughs> See, oh, that man. is we need somebody to make a horror movie about that. Right? That would be so good. Everybody's getting nostalgia for like the Y2K era. That's like right after Y2K. That's so true. It, the time has come. <laughs> We're on our way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, sorry. I sidetracked us. Let's get back on track. Yes. Okay, so the nightmare sequence in the film, well, I guess it's, I don't know so much a nightmare, but where she's walking through the woods, was inspired by the painting of Francis Bacon. So apparently they both love his work, describing him as a master of fear who paints people who are imprisoned in their own bodies and they were also inspired by how he doesn't show his subject's face, and yet it reveals something deeper about their fears. So obviously that's sort of an overarching theme for the movie. Ooh, I'm looking up his art now, and it is spooky. <laughs> that is some good spooky doings right there. How much could they cost? I'll get one. It'll be great. <laughs> I mean, a print. <laughs> Ooh. So they talk in interviews about being very in sync with one another and very rarely disagreeing about anything. So when they're writing or on set together, they don't have to discuss anything because they always seem to be on the same wavelength, which I think is pretty amazing. They even sit next to each other to write scripts. And apparently the only time they fight, I guess, is in the editing room. And really? it's not over big stuff. Apparently it always tends to be little tiny details which don't actually matter to the film but they'll get in little scuffles little arguments about that <laughs> which sounds very family you know oh a hundred percent yes 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 i mean their dynamic is so interesting we've had a lot of different sort of combinations of like brothers or husband and wife yeah. but it's i don't know that i feel like it's a, a unique pairing of aunt and nephew it's very cool are you and your nephew going to make films soon? Start making some films? <laughs> I actually think you asked me that the last time that we recorded. About well, at least them. I'm consistent. I'm not creative, <laughs> but I am consistent. No, but, um, <laughs> it's interesting because back then, just a couple of years ago, I had yet to get him to watch a single horror movie. And so I was like, definitely not. The kid's obsessed with anime. I could probably get him to do that with me, but not horror. <laughs> but since then, I have like been getting him to dip his little toe into horror. So I don't know someday What's, maybe what has been the most successful of all the ones you've made him watch i know what you did last summer that's been his favorite so far interesting yeah he thought it was really fun okay. and it didn't scare him so it was a win <laughs> god see he doesn't even know that his getting scared is what we're chasing i know <laughs> he's so lucky youth is wasted on the young yep i don't know Boy. what to tell you <laughs> fear is wasted on the soul having <laughs> Jeez. All right. So they had to find twins to be in this movie, obviously. And the way that they did that was by calling around to tons of different schools asking, do any twins go there that are about the right age? Uh, <laughs> that feels weird. Like I'm imagining, you know, Doris shows up, she does the roll call, and then she gets a call like, hello, my name is Veronica Franz. <laughs> Do you have any twins? <laughs> so it does get a little bit weirder. They oh, up... <laughs> oh, okay, good, good. I was worried this was not going to get weird. 
So they ended up finding somehow 130 pairs of Austrian twins. Wow, Doris really, <laughs> like, no confidentiality whatsoever. Come on, Doris. <laughs> <laughs> so they ended up choosing Elias and Lucas Schwartz, which are also the names of the characters in hmm. the actual movie, to play the twins. Um, well, that's of- convenient. Wow, they found twins. <laughs> You are such a goofball. I know. I'm very tired. (laughs) (laughs) So they picked them because of something specific they did during auditions. So once the directors had narrowed it down to three sets of twins, they had them all come in and they actually tied an actor to a chair and told the kids, she kidnapped your mom. You have to find out where your mom is. Do whatever you want. And they said it was very difficult because kids don't want to hurt adults. (laughs) Wow, they're like, where's the sociopath? Read sociopath. <laughs> but the twins that they ended up choosing, they said were the most courageous of the bunch. Because courageous. They, they picked up a pencil and poked the actor in the arm. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, and Veronica says that she thinks part of the reason the twins feel so natural in the scenes is that they also played with them a lot on set to get them comfortable. And the movie was actually shot in chronological order so that the twins discovered what was happening in their scene on the day that it was shot. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, the performances are so naturalistic that that's actually really, really interesting. Yeah, well, because one of the things that they said was that they were worried that the kids would get bored if they knew the whole plot line and that they would get sort of lost in what was happening. But if they just told them every day, like, this is what's going to happen, this is what you have to do, they thought it would make it easier that way. Did they talk about whether or not there was a lot of improv or was it? There was some improvisation, but I don't know. I couldn't figure out what was improvised and what wasn't. So, yeah. Okay. That's it. All right. Well, very cool. Very interesting. Very strange. I love it. And it, it fits <laughs> perfectly with the vibe of this movie, yes. which is very interesting and very strange. All right. So let's get into our non-spoilery thoughts. I'll give you a little voice a break and, and tell you what I think. I'm not going to spoil anything. Like you said, this is a very, very spoilable film. So if you are spoiler adverse, you can hear this part, but you may want to dip soon. Okay. So this, like I said, was a second watch for me. man oh man is this thing still a gut punch of a movie (laughs) it is it is cold it is almost soviet or sociopathic in tone i think that franz and faella have this real gift for creating a sense of isolation in a room full of people yeah it is you know the austere architecture the design the decorative touches there's so many human forms in the home Mm-hmm. And that is completely lacking in humanity. The coldness of the relationships in this permeate, are, are, are visible on the screen in the aesthetic of the film itself. That being said, it's incredibly beautiful. This is a great looking film. Even though it's mostly the palette is very, very gray. There are these moments when they're outdoors in the cornfield or things like that, where it is very beautiful, sun drenched. Yeah. There's a point where they see some, I guess like a farmer doing like a controlled burn. So you get these bright pops of color. It's it's very visually appealing, this film. But for all the intimacy sort of, of, of really being in these boys' world and seeing them unguarded in their like private spaces, 
there's this detachedness to this entire film that makes it feel totally opaque. And, you know, it works because you require ambiguity of all of your characters. You know, like you have to be unclear of where your villains are or, you know, if the mother, how much of this is the kids getting into their own heads? How much of it is the mother potentially actually being a negative force? And so I think that all kind of works. I think it is very well made, very well acted. It is incredibly effective and affecting when you watch it. It is a powerful film and it will leave a mark on you. It will make you feel very bad, but that is good. (laughs) That is good. I mean, that is, it's not, this is not a feel good movie. What they want to do is they want to sucker punch you with this movie and they succeed because of how well crafted it is yeah it's not just the plot yeah (laughs) yes yes so i would say yeah this is a very well-made movie and you i would not watch it on a day where you're a little blue yeah that's good advice that's all advice which is true of the lodge as well the lodge is an excellent film love that movie man is it grim dark as hell (laughs) yeah yeah and i think that that is true of this as well i'm not going to have a lot of filmmaking criticisms about this film it really just comes down to what kind of vibe like if you want to be tested a little bit and go on a little you enjoy kind of an ordeal of a movie yep here you go this is the one for you all right how about you what did you think in a (laughs) non-spoilery way I mean, I agree with all of that, especially the ordeal. That's what I was thinking about when I was watching it. Like, this is the exact kind of movie Matilda means when she says this movie was an ordeal. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, this was a first watch for me. I had never seen it before. I had seen sort of the images of the mom with the bandages on her face Mm -hmm. and the twin boys. And I had read the one sentence synopsis. But other than that, I had no idea what the movie was about. Mm. The other thing I had been told is that there was something with a cat. Yep. Which there is. Yep. So, like, good looking out. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's a bummer. Yeah, it is. It is a bummer. And, and it's keeps coming. Back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that it does. That it does. We'll get into it. <laughs> so, I, like I said, I totally agree with you. This is an ordeal of a movie. It's a bit of a bummer, but I, it's also just so good and yeah. so well made mm-hmm. that it's hard to find any kind of fault with it. Mm-hmm. I loved that. Like The Lodge, it is a very quiet, very isolated film that Mm -hmm. kind of, I don't know, treads in those waters of like dread and making you just deeply, deeply uncomfortable as often as they possibly can, (laughs) you know? Mm -hmm. The acting in this is also really, really good. These little boys, I feel like, are so talented and, Mm -hmm. you know... There's not a lot of dialogue in this movie. Actually, there's almost no dialogue. But I feel like you get such a sense of who these kids are and their relationship with each other. Mm-hmm. And I think that that speaks volumes about these directors, that they were able to get that out of these kids. You know, and also, obviously, like, the talent of the children themselves. But, you know, we talk about frequently how kids are often not great actors and can sometimes tank a movie and Mm -hmm. this one I feel like is the opposite of that I also found myself so wrapped up in the story and in the visuals and what was happening that I did not see the twist coming oh good (laughs) 
Good. I feel like normally this would be a twist that I would see coming and I did not. And I think that's a testament to how engaging it was and how on the edge of my seat it kind of had me and how uncomfortable the whole thing was making me that I wasn't spending time trying to figure that out, you know? Yeah. Knowing where this was going, I was watching for Mm -hmm. the tricks in this. Yeah. And I think there's some really smart writing, especially in some of the really early scenes that just make you go like, okay, this is my worldview. Yeah. So I think Mm -hmm. when we get into spoilers, we can talk about it specifically, but I actually went back and rewatched the first 15 minutes again, because I was wondering, I was like, was Mm. I just out to lunch or did they do a really good job? And spoiler, they did a really good job. They did a really good job. Yeah. yeah. So uh, the other thing is just that I, I really like the themes that this movie is touching on with sort of identity and kind of what makes a person who they are, you know, mm, mm-hmm. and, and kind of the masks that we wear in life. I don't know. I think all of that was really interesting. And I think that if you like The Lodge, this is definitely a movie you sh- should watch. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I actually yep. think The Lodge may be even darker than this movie. Well, yeah. <laughs> so if there's, you were there's some bookended through... scenes in that movie that are some of the darkest I've ever seen. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so if you like me enjoyed that movie, then I think you'll be fine watching this one. But mm-hmm. you know, heed Rachel's advice and make sure you're in the right headspace. Yeah, yeah. It is dark. <laughs> I mean, if only to get the maximum enjoyment yes. out of the film. Yeah, right. Exactly. Don't set yourself up not to get the best experience possible. Right. Right, because this movie is worth it. I mean, Mm -hmm. considering this is their first feature-length film, you know, that wasn't a documentary, it's incredibly impressive what they were able to accomplish. Uh Incredibly impressive. Agreed. All right, folks, you now know our thoughts. I think it's pretty clear that we are pro this film and also pro not spoiling it for yourself, which is why now we're going to get into spoilers. I have a synopsis. And it will have a lot more detail than we have alluded to so far. So this is your chance to jump ship, to grab that phone, hit the pause, go to Tubi, give it a watch, and come on back. All right, here we go. Synopsis. When twin brothers Elias and Lucas go to stay with their mother, uh, they found that she has changed. Not only is her face bruised and wrapped in bandages, but she won't acknowledge one of the brothers, Lucas. As her suspicion grows, she becomes angrier and more violent, proving to the boys that she is, in fact, not their mother. After an attempt at telling the police fails, the boys take the matter into their own hands. (laughs) Yeah, they do. (laughs) Tying her up and torturing her to find out what happened to their mother. When this doesn't work, they escalate the torture, threatening to burn her alive. It's then revealed that Lucas died in an accident that was likely caused by Elias. When she confronts Elias, he burns her alive. In the end, the two boys run into the cornfield and find a serene mother waiting there for them. Yeah. (laughs) Woo! Oh! Torture is a lot. (laughs) Yes. You know, it's funny. When I watched this back the second time, I was surprised at how late it comes into the story. Because my memory was, because because it is so impactful. It feels like it goes on for quite a long time. I thought it was like... (laughs) 15 yeah. minutes into the movie the torture begins <laughs> because i feel like i'm forever still in the moment where they're cutting open her mouth <laughs> oh my god rachel yes oh! <laughs> that small soft tissue damage sometimes is the worst oh my gosh i was like crawling inside myself trying to get away from the screen <laughs> you know yes yes, oh. yes 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 
okay so clearly all all spoilers have been lifted so we got to talk about those first 15 minutes and how well crafted they were because like you said what i you know you went back and watched it a second time you were in the same position i was in watching it this time where you were looking for you know the sleight of hand you were looking for the smoke and the mirrors and i think the writing around the first time she doesn't acknowledge lucas does two yeah. things. It gives you a reason why she wouldn't be talking to him because they're 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 not trying to hide it. They're saying it outward outwardly. Like mm-hmm. she's not acknowledging him. And it makes her untrustworthy. She's set up almost like she's being cool and pitting the boys against each yes. other or has selected a favorite. And so and that she is intentionally being unkind to this other child. So you are already moving to their side as an audience. Well, also, it's like, look away, look away from the trick that we have up our sleeve. It's, I just think it's so clever. What about you? Oh, yeah. It's, it's so, so smart because the way that they have even the shots framed make it look as though she's making eye contact at times with both of the kids, mm-hmm. you know? And yeah, because of that conversation, you immediately start thinking about her as being cruel and cold and detached. And some of that actually ends up being very true right. about her character. Right. And so you're continuously proven right throughout the film. And on top of that, things like they sit down on the couch and play a game together, the three of them. And I went back and watched that. And you cannot tell that she's not interacting with both of those kids. You know, you would never know that if you don't know. Mm -mm. Yeah, you would never guess. it. But when you watch it, you're like, oh, she actually isn't ever saying anything directly to him. And he's responding and it seems like she's responding back. But really, she's talking to Elias and you just don't notice because it's written and filmed so smartly. It's pretty genius. It's also because they speak in unison so much. Yes. That like your brain assumes that she's responding to them both yep. because they're responding to her. It's just, like I said, it's very well-crafted sleight of hand. Yeah. And also I think the fact that the two boys are so in tune with each other means mm-hmm. that they actually don't talk to each other that much either, right? Because they're just sort of in sync all the time. Yeah. And I, I just think it helps with that so much. And just the fact that there isn't a lot of dialogue at all. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's all... It's very smart. <laughs> and I was like, well, was I just not doing a good enough job? Should I have been paying closer attention to this movie? But I really think it's just good filmmaking. <laughs> I agree. I agree. All right. I went first last time. Your turn. What did you think of this with all the spoilers off? <laughs> yeah. I mean, again, I'm just... Uh, this movie is just surprisingly good. I think as I got into it, I was a little worried about just how slow it was going to be, how quiet or how dark it was. And it is all of those things, but not in a way that's off-putting at all. It's in a way that builds the dread and builds that creeping under your skin kind of feeling and, you know, intensifies the relationship between the kids and the mom. It all works to just make you feel almost like oppressed by it by the end you know mm-hmm. you it's just feel just... something is wrong yes. something is off there is something that is like broken in this dynamic you don't know what it is you just can sense its presence and it's right. oppressive it is yeah. oppressive. yes exactly that's exactly mm-hmm. it yeah i also think that this movie says some interesting thing about motherhood you know mm-hmm. i mean that's something that we like to talk about on this show 
and that sort of ambivalence around motherhood. And through most of this film, we think of her as, like I was saying, being cold and withholding, controlling, cruel. I mean, she's cruel to them, you know? Mm-hmm. And in a lot of movies, I feel like the twist would change that narrative. And we would look back at what had happened through a new lens and understand, oh, she really isn't those things, you know, because yeah. the twist has happened, right? But here, you're still left with the fact that she is cold and cruel. I mean, Very slappy. The and the way she's treated them or treated Elias and the, yeah, the, the way that she has emotionally detached from him, the way that she controls him by the rules, by locking him in his room, all of these different things. Like, she's not doing a good job at being a mother in this moment, right? And that doesn't change just because the twist happens. It doesn't automatically reveal her to actually be this, you know, Donna Reed mother, right? Right. She's not a monster, but she's imperfect and she's ambivalent about kind of continuing to be a mother after this horrible tragedy has happened. Right. And it kind of reminds me of Jennifer Kent's The Babadook a little bit, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, Same I can definitely. Sort of I mean, they're both things. parenting during grief. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I think it's interesting, though, that the two sort of proofs of her villainy are that she is breaking with sort of the structural stuff about the role of a woman, right? She, mm-hmm. you know, the first piece of evidence is that she's had plastic surgery, right? Her desire to fit into the structure of being physically beautiful, which is an expectation that placed on women. And her failure to do that because she is monstrous in this moment is is sign one that she's a villain. Right. And then the other thing is she is not a perfect mother. Like you said, she is not a Donna Reed. She's abusive in places. She's emotionally detached. Like, is there reasons for this? Yes. And I do think we do get context. But, right. But it, but it doesn't change. It doesn't fact. change the fact that she was. Right. But right. those two things, those two perversions of like yeah. a woman's role are the one-two punch of like, she's definitely not our mother. She's a bad mm-hmm. guy. And we as the audience also buy into some of that as yeah, well. Yeah, I think easily because we're used to seeing women portrayed in a certain way, both the mm-hmm. way that they look and the way that they treat their children. And yes. very early on, we get her, you know, the way that she talks to them or even pretending to be asleep so she doesn't have to deal with her kid. You know, there's all these like little things that happen very early on to clue you into the fact that she's not, you know, the quote unquote good mom. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then just the idea of having her face hidden for so much of the film, I think is so interesting because it creates this dynamic where you don't get to read her emotions Mm -hmm. most of the time, you know? And so it becomes easier than to, also project things onto her that we know the kids are feeling about her. I also think there's another level to that. I think you're absolutely right. But the other thing is, is like when we're looking at people, we're constantly, whether we realize it or not, reading micro expressions. Yeah, absolutely. And so when we are, when that is taken away, it's why masks are so scary. Yeah. We're unable, like on a primordial kind of level, (laughs) unable, like they become untrustworthy and mysterious it's why there's all these studies about how couples start having problems later in their marriage if some one of them starts getting a lot of botox because they're unable to yes and so they can't read their partner on a subconscious level in the ways that they used to so they're like Mm -hmm. having communication disconnect because all those micro expressions they had learned are gone and i think there's some of that even though it's it's not textual, but like for us as the audience, anytime you have a masked character like that and you cannot read the micro expressions, they're a little sus. 
Yeah, so and a it, little it puts sus. you on edge, and, and the boys are always trying to get a close look at her, right? Not only do right. they want to see under the bandages to see if they recognize her, but I also think they also want to, like, look into her eyes, you know, and yeah. understand, is that who she is? Yeah, I just think it also is playing with this idea of what makes us who, who we are. Is it what we look like, or is it this innate personality? And do those, do does one change the other, right? Like, can you get plastic surgery? Can you change the way that you look? And are you changed? by that decision because then the way people treat you becomes different you know it's i think it's interesting questions and i think that the kids wear masks in this movie too mm-hmm. which they're very creepy effective yeah. masks yeah because it you know it works like you were talking about it it conceals your expressions but it also conceals like your inner thoughts you know mm-hmm. because you aren't showing any of those like you said those micro aggression micro expressions expression <laughs> i mean there were definitely some microaggressions in this. no i mean i think there's like a deep irony to it though also because there's this whole idea that we can't see who she is and and that's what makes her a villain or they right. can't they can't recognize her and that's what makes her a villain but when in, when in reality ultimately what we learn is that she's actually mirroring a truth to them. She's actually revealing a truth to them. (laughs) And that's really where the threat lies is in the truth that she's constantly reflecting back to them by not interacting with us. That is the threat. I don't know. I I think it's a nice little piece of irony in this. Yeah, I totally, totally agree. And the twist of this movie, I just think not only was it filmed and written so smartly, I also just think it works so well. Like, Mm -hmm. When the kids start investigating, I was all in thinking that she had a twin sister or something. Oh, look at you. You're like conspiracy theory (laughs) unlocked. (laughs) Because, you know, they show that picture of her looking just like this other woman, you know? Uh Yeah. And that it's sort of hidden in this in this book. And I also think that what is interesting is that the the way that there are pictures missing from the house, right? That you later learn there's missing pictures on the wall. There's all these mm-hmm. missing pictures in the photo albums. Totally in context, once you know the twist, completely makes sense, right? She's trying to eliminate pictures of her kid that died because she, it makes her sad. She doesn't want to see them all the time or whatever. But in that investigation, you're like, oh, is she removing pictures of herself because she doesn't want you to see right. all these family pictures, what she actually looks like, you know, mm-hmm. it's just, all of it is so smart. And I think that, yeah, because like we were saying, she doesn't act the way a mom is expected to act. It's so easy to buy into that. And the other things that they did around the mole, for instance, or uh-huh. the contact lenses is also really smart because it leads you to believe that the kids are right about her. You know, she drew this mole on her face and she says that she has contact lenses, but then they can never find them. So it becomes kind of ambiguous about whether she's lying about that or not. Mm -hmm. And then I also think scenes like the one where she is in the forest or even the way she moves around her house is a little bit weird. Yeah. Monstrous. Yeah. Yeah. There's something off-putting and strange about it that made me think, oh, is there something supernatural happening here too? Mm -hmm. Is there like a real monster kind of going on under under the skin? And then also the fact that these boys are like uh, so cruel in what they do to this woman. You've got this push and pull between thinking that, okay, the mom is – awful and there must be something wrong there and the boys must be right but also 
are these boys just little psychopaths? Because what they do is so extreme. It's so extreme. It's so extreme. And I mean, I think it, I don't know if it's because Elias is a little sociopath mm-hmm. or if it's his psychological survival instincts yeah. are so activated. And he's desperate. You yeah. Know? That he's, yeah, he's acting out of a place of desperation. And I'm not really sure which it is or if it's a little bit of both, but. Right. Oh, it is really intense, I mean, though. They tire to the bed, which is not the ba- the worst thing that they do to this woman by far. No. The burning of her face made me so uncomfortable. Yes. It goes on. It feels like for so long as they're you know burning a hole into the side of her face. But like you were saying, the gluing of the mouth shut. Whoo! It looks so awful. And then when they cut it open, every single little snip, you're like, oh, my God, they're going to cut her. And then when they do and she rips it the rest of the way as she's screaming. Uh, ah! uh, Yeah, that is definitely a slideshow moment for me. Yeah. And the way that they have her where, like, it looks like they've almost glued one of her eyes closed in the end before he ultimately yeah. sets the whole place on fire. It's so disturbing because these kids are so little and their faces are so angelic, you know, mm-hmm. like they're pretty little boys and it's disturbing on a lot of levels that they're able to do all of this. I mean, some of it is that there's like the shot that stays in my mind forever, which is kind of like it's shot from below, kind of at a low mm-hmm. angle, looking up as they're leaning over her, just looking down. And there's these, you know, they're twins, so there's two yeah. of them, and it's kind of uncanny, and there's just a total lack of humanity in their eyes as they're looking down at her. They're looking at her like she is one of the cockroaches in their aquarium. Yeah. Yeah. She is a bug under the lens. And so that's why when they're burning her with the the magnifying glass, very reminiscent of, of that kind of like burning ants with a, a magnifying glass, all of those things, like they have reduced her and uh, robbed her completely of mm-hmm. her humanity in those moments. And that's terrifying. That's a terrifying scenario when someone is complete, un- totally unable to see another human as a human being, let alone their mother, right. is absolutely the ultimate horror at the end of the day. And it's so effective. And it, it hinges on these performances. These kids are, I mean, considering that they were not cast as actors, but children that were dialed up off of like some like <laughs> attendance yes exactly yeah. is kind of incredible it's actually incredible that they're able to pull off menace a quiet menace to me is the hardest thing to actually yeah. portray the stakes in this feel so intense so poignant that these this woman is an actual real danger and you never doubt it for a second despite the fact that they are tiny little sweet-faced yeah, you know, one of the things that's interesting is there's a scene where the kids try to get help, right? Mm-hmm. And this, then the cop ends up driving them right back to their mom yep. and sending them home. And you feel for those kids. They're so scared and they want to get away from her so badly. And you're they're just, you know, delivered right to her doorstep. And then in the end, you get almost the opposite of that with the EMTs where she's crying out in pain, like trying to get help. And they just happily walk away as the, you know, boys are in the window closing the blinds Ooh. so Ooh. it's so dark and so it's, tough to watch it but really it's really tough. good honestly one of the hardest things for me were the cockroaches really bugs do not bother me at all in real life and in movies but i hate cockroaches with a passion 
Interesting. I'm not like scared of them, but they, I don't like them. I, I once found one in my hair when we had a cockroach problem when I was a kid. And oh, it, like, there you go. Traumatized me. <laughs> yeah, that'll do it. That'll do it. They gross me out. I don't like them. And there are and a lot of them in this movie. There are movie. a lot of them. And I know that they're like the hissing cockroaches that people tend to keep as pets or whatever. And so fine. But the scene where he cuts open her stomach and the cockroaches are just mm-hmm. crawling around in there, that got to me. That really got under my skin. I know it's a dream sequence and we find out it's a dream yeah. sequence about two seconds into the scene. But I think that'll live in my head for a while. <laughs> yeah. There's not a ton of gore in this movie. No, but no. it is concentrated. Not yes. that it's it's so over the top and gruesome. It's it is pitched perfectly to make your skin crawl. Right. So that there are these nightmarish visions that will stay with you forever. Like the thing with the lips, like if you look, there's some droplets of blood on, on the, the pillow. Yeah. And there's and around her mouth, right? Yep. But that's it's very limited amount. But there's something about the sparingness of the gore that actually makes it even more impactful than if it was just geysers of blood. Yeah. I think the same can be said for how quiet this movie is too. There's mm-hmm. very little dialogue, but what dialogue is in this movie is unnerving and upsetting, you know? Yeah. And the quietness of this movie, the fact that so much of it is very silent and the the sounds in it and the music is all very quiet too. It just continues to work to make you unsettled and uncomfortable. And that final shot is so haunting of this serene mother figure, like the idealized mother in in Elias's mind and the three of them together. It is, it, it, and it, it's very disturbing because it, it, you see the madness of Elias mm-hmm. in the sereneness of the mother. Yeah. Because yeah, he's just a boy by himself who just murdered his mom. But gruesome, horrifyingly, yes, horrifyingly murdered. Dumped her. a bunch of fire on her. Like, oh my God. <laughs> it is wild. This movie is wild. All right. Do you have any other thoughts before we, we wrap it up? Did you have any did you have any cons? We have not been doing cons lately. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Cons are no fun. No, no. I would say that I don't really have any cons. Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, like you said, that final shot is upsetting. (laughs) Yeah. At how serene it is. I think the way it's filmed is like a touch cheesy, but I think that that's kind of intentional too. Oh, yeah. Just make it look like a family portrait at the end. I think it's also recreating that. Yeah. The energy of that opening lullaby. Yes. Yeah, which is very cheesy. It's the right. idealized mother mm-hmm. that uh, that Luca or uh, Elias wants, right? Yeah, yeah. I think it totally makes sense. And then the other thing I would say is not a con against this because I think this movie is terrific. I just personally like The Lodge better. It was darker, but I think that it's just such a good movie and it has such complex themes in it. I think I enjoyed it more. I enjoy is a weird word to use with that movie, but <laughs> right, <laughs> I right, think right. If I was ranking them. That would be a little bit higher, but this movie is really good and it deserves all the praise it's ever gotten. <laughs> Did it live up to my hype of like when we decided to do this? I was like, you're going to have a bad time. It's very <laughs> grim. Did I, did I overhype the grimness or was I right on? No, I mean, I think you were right on. I, I didn't have a <laughs> terrible time, actually. Okay, um, good. I think I was in like a decent enough headspace when I watched it that it wasn't, you know, 
it wasn't too bad. <laughs> good, 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 yeah. good. So I, good. I actually glad. did. I, yeah, it's a good movie. Yeah, it, yeah. It's dark, but it's good. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, let's give our final recommendation. Would you recommend people check out Good Night Mommy for Free on, on Tubi? Yeah, I think it's definitely worth your time. It's so artfully made and so smartly made that if you have gotten this far and haven't watched it, I think you should go and do that now. Although it'd be a shame if you haven't watched it and you got this far because like yeah, I agree. <laughs> the discovery is a big part of the enjoyment of this, I think. And like you said, going back and being like, how did they pull this off and realizing how well done it was. Right. This one I would recommend to anybody who enjoys quote unquote elevated horror. People who who like art house horror are gonna there's and like an ordeal of a movie are really gonna find a lot to enjoy here. I think if people are like, I'm a Friday the thirteenth kind of horror fan this is going to be a rough go <laughs> well i mean yeah <laughs> but that being said i think it's an excellent well-crafted film i'm like come on let's see the next one i want to see what they do next i know i know because they're two for two they are two for two we need another one all right awesome okay well listeners what did you think did you agree did you disagree do you have an inside scoop on what they're up to that we weren't able to find on the scouring of the internets and you want to let us know? Whatever the case may be, you can always drop us a line at rachel at zombiegirls.com or you can come chat with us over on the Zombie Girls Facebook page. Or even better, you can slide into the DMs at ZG Podcast on Instagram and Twitter where we have a, the lovely Ariel is so great about, she is our, our oh, stop. It's social so media maven. <laughs> no, it's true. Listen. You make it easy to be sweet because I'm just stating facts and they happen to be sweet. <laughs> you should definitely be following us there uh, to see all of our cool memes. And because spooky season starts on October, technically October 1st, but the first weekday of the month is October 3rd, where we're going to be dropping, we're calling them zombie bites theater because they're just little, just little zombie bites, just little nibbles. <laughs> Some people are doing like 30 movies in the October. That's a lot of work. That's a lot of commitment. But some of these shorts are like two minutes long. That's not a lot of commitment. But you can definitely play along and it's going to be a lot of fun. And there are some wild shorts that we have reviewed. <laughs> There's some real wild ones. Real really One of them we ones. had to eliminate <laughs> from, the, <laughs> <That's true. laughs> from the playlist. It was too much. <laughs> so, yes, you should definitely be playing along with us and definitely follow us on social media. Uh, if you love the show, you know what I'm going to say. Support us by leaving us a review and rating us on wherever it is that you're getting your pods helps us out easy makes us feel good you feel good like you've done a good deed for the day it's a win-win let's do it come on team us let's do it <laughs> if you're looking for something spooky to watch tonight check out our video on demand and streaming calendar at zombiegirls.com forward slash vod releases i think <laughs> anyway just go to zombie girls and check it out there's a again spooky season is here so that shit is popping there oh, are yeah. so many amazing things on there. Any minute now, they're going to announce whenever Barbarian is coming to VOD. And when it I'm comes so to VOD, Sorry. you <laughs> must watch it. And you must go in cold, my friend. Read nothing. Watch no trailers. The colder, the better. I assure you. <laughs> Although, to be honest, the trailer didn't spoil it. But oh, I don't okay. know. Subsequent spoil trailers might. So don't. Don't. Don't do it to yourself. And all kinds of other movies. It's October. Shit is wild out there. You're going to want to check out our video on demand and streaming calendar. 
And if you want to support us with some cash monies, we've got merch, zombiegirls.com forward slash merch. We've got some new t-shirts. I have seen a new version of the upcoming More Deadly redesign. We have clothes now. <laughs> and it looks real cool. <laughs> so there will be new merch coming soon. There's also the old merch, which is awesome. And if you don't have it, you should get it. And then, of course, we have a Patreon at patreon.com forward slash zombiegirls where you get extended episodes, bonus episodes. We've started doing these really cool things called Zombie Bites where we talk about movies. Like this week, we dropped one on Barbarian because, you know, we don't weren't always able to get to the new releases right when they come out, but we want to talk about them. And so we've decided to do these short form reviews, very casual, very fun, on camera or audio, whatever you prefer, on our Patreon. So you can, that's a, a perk you can get as well as the best one, which is being on our discord and being able to hang out with us while we do the live show this month. So if you've been thinking about getting it, October is the month to do it. All right. So that just leaves our plans for the next episode. And I don't know about you girl, but I'm hella hyped for the next I'm episode. I'm very excited. For <laughs> multiple reasons. Tell us what are we doing on the next episode? So for the next episode, we are going to be reviewing Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Yes! I've been dying to see this movie! Me too! (laughs) I am very, very excited to talk about it. And we are going to have the lovely Natalie from All the Men I've Tolerated Before podcast (laughs) come on to talk about it with us. (laughs) Every time I see the name of her podcast, I giggle. I know. I'm so hyped. I'm so hyped for the movie. I'm so hyped to hang out with Natalie. I think it's going to be such a fun show. Yeah, I think it's going to be a great time. From everything I've heard, the movie's terrific. I'm very excited because I've also heard there's like a murder mystery aspect. Yes, yes, it's a mystery. You know me. I love one. So I do. I'm excited. Dude, how are we going to do our top 10? How? It's going to be so hard, Rachel. How? Are <laughs> we going to have a top 15 this year? Because I oh don't I don't know how I'm going to narrow it. To, this has been the best year for horror. It's been so good. Because, you know, for a couple years during the pandemic, we were having this um, these amazing indie films come out. Yeah. But now we have the big blockbusters and the amazing indie films. I was like, films, but the indies haven't gone away. No. And so the combined, indies are... there's too many good movies. We got That's... Nope and Hellbender. We got yeah. Dead stream and like you know what i mean like there's so many bodies 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 it's wild this year is wild we got watcher this year how the hell am i supposed to narrow this and there's still a bunch of movies left this year and a bunch of movies that i haven't had a chance to get to yet that i know are gonna freaking slap i don't know how we're gonna do this top 10 i don't know it's gonna be really hard it's gonna be really we're gonna have some dude some deep talks <laughs> trying to figure out. I'm just wondering, like, what is the movie that we love that is going to get thrown off by the Sarah curve? That's what oh, I'm wondering. Yes, that's a very good question. It happens every Sarah year. Always taught yeah, and manages to toss something. And she is something a wild card that none of us have seen or liked, maybe. <laughs> or we'll be like, this thing was like we loved it, but we feel confident everybody else is going to have it on the list, so we'll bump it down a little bit to yep. give an advantage to something else we love. And then she comes in and she's like, crush, and, <laughs> and it's just gone off into the ether. It's like at the end of Superman Two, where they're like flying off into the Phantom Zone, like. <laughs> 
<laughs> she's such a wild card you, never know. Never, know. you never know and it's always and i don't know until i actually do the math and then i'm like no <laughs> that's what happened with titan last year, i know where i bumped it to number two on mine because i wanted you were to so confident yes and then it, it ended up at like number four or five or something <laughs> so i guess the takeaway like is we cannot try to game the system like you've got to just yep. like honestly be honest things yeah <laughs> But I don't, I don't know how I'm going to do it, Ariel, because there are some movies that I know are better movies, but I don't know that I had more fun than when I watched Deadstream. So I don't know how we're going to do this year. It's going to be wild. It's going to be tough. Stay tuned, folks, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe we'll do it differently this year. Maybe we'll battle it out and pick our top 10 on live on the. Oh, that would be interesting. So one of the sort of side projects I do is the Outpost Unknown YouTube channel where I hang out with my former Splattercast compatriots. But one of the things that we rolled out this year or or recently, we did the show called the Tier Tier Show, which was so much fun. And we decided to rank four remakes. And we would like argue about what tier, like S tier, A tier, B. Okay. You know what I mean? And we argued it out. And it like, it started off very congenial and like very consensus based. (laughs) But by the end, we were just like shivving each other, like (laughs) knocking each other's spots out of the tiers. We should totally do that. We might want to consider putting together a master list of like, these are the best movies we watched this year and duke it out for which can go in the S tier. That might be a fun way to approach it. Yeah. I don't know why I'm talking about this before we wrap up the episode. I'm <laughs> losing my mind. Let's get the hell out of here because we still okay, have a bonus good. episode to do for our excellent patrons that stick around for the sweet content. Yeah. So for our patrons, this extended episode, we are going to be talking about the new remake of Goodnight Mom that just came out on Amazon Prime starring Naomi Watts. So if you want to hear our thoughts about that one. My then... personal friend, Naomi Watts. Yes. Oh, and that's right. <laughs> Rachel got to interview her icon, Naomi Watts. Unbelievable. And the two twin boys who play, you know, yes. the kids in the remake. So you should go to Pride site and check that out. Or just or our social media. It's there. Yeah. Go to our social media. Go to our social media. Um, Even better. Um, there will be more so some content that I did this week that will be yes. on our social media as well yes. of the raising hell <laughs> so more reasons to follow us on social media yes but get us out of here it- <laughs> don't let me sidetrack us anymore i am i am a liability tonight <laughs> all right thank you all for listening to another episode of the more deadly podcast we hope you enjoyed our review of good night mommy and that we didn't make you sad in the same way that this movie might make you sad and uh, join us next time for our review of Bodies, Bodies, Bodies with Natalie from To All the Men I've Tolerated Before. We'll see you in two weeks. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't know how you put it. Because I love you. I love you. You must love me. You must. <laughs> Thanks to everyone for listening, and thanks to my co-host Ariel, who's always willing to come on here and geek out about horror with me. And finally, thanks to the women who make the horror films we love so much. Production of this episode was done by yours truly, editing was done by Ariel Missman Rucker, and our theme song, More Deadly, was by Elizabeth Kyle and Eric Newell. Hello.
Hello, everyone, and welcome to the extended episode, aka more dark. <laughs> dark, dark, dark. <laughs> I've been talking all day. I told you I've done multiple interviews today, and I've done the podcast. And my voice, can you hear my voice? It's going. <laughs> it's go. She going. She leaving the building. <laughs> oh, geez. Yeah. When I was a telephone sales representative, I used to have to keep a lozenge like in my cheek. Oh my or I God. would lose my voice during the day. I'm trying to imagine you in a sales position. Like that is, there's a personality type that goes with sales and it is the opposite of your personality. It is type. not mine. I one time, so the way that it used to work is that you would put them on hold for certain things. And when you did that, you could hear them, but they couldn't hear you. And oh. they, but they didn't know that. So you would overhear like arguments and weird shit all the time. But one time I just overheard somebody saying, wow, I'm talking to this girl and like, I don't think she likes her job. She sounds like she hates it here. And I was like, shit. And you were like, damn it. Was that when you decided it was time to find a new job? Uh, I couldn't because I was dead broke. Oh, <laughs> and God. I was like, I Capitalism. moved to Santa Barbara and it was so stupid expensive there. I heard that you can do a brisk business with like a fake psychic company there. You should have done that. I should have done that. that you could have been, been a psychic investigator. <laughs> I saw this whole documentary series about it. What? Like two guys uh, open. I'm talking about psych. <laughs> you were not picking up what I was putting down, so I'm just going to wrap myself out. I didn't get it at all, even though I've seen that show a million times. I'm an idiot. <laughs> it's okay. You know what the worst uh, part of that show is? Yeah. That I, I on a, like, bi-weekly basis, get Jamaican Inspector Man stuck in my head randomly. <laughs> And I'm just like walking around, like hanging out with the cats, and I'm like, leave the prostitutes alone. <laughs> That's it's not hilarious. good. It's oh, not God. good. Send me a say. Oh, it's going to be totally stuck in my head now. Let's move on before it really roots okay. in there. What are we doing? What are we doing? Yeah, so we both recently watched the remake of Goodnight Mommy yes. that just came out on Amazon Prime. And Hulu? I isn't it hulu no it's a prime no it's prime Prime. i knew that i totally knew that let's move on (laughs) and uh, i thought we could just do a little super casual chat about what we thought not an in-depth review just a casual chat (laughs) yeah i mean i think we can talk about it in comparison to this exactly 